Well, welcome 613 Golfers to uh, another episode of 613 Golfer Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jeff Botter, publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine. This episode of 613 Golfer is brought to you by Ping Golf Canada. Now, let me tell you something. Uh, Ping has this great lineup of G425 irons, hybrids, fairways, and drivers. But let me tell you something about the driver. I've I've had the opportunity finally to hit this driver. My younger son has a 410, loves it, but I had a chance to hit a 425. And I got to tell you, if you haven't had a chance to get out and hit this driver yet, you have to go and do it. If you can't go and do it, go and check out ca.ping.com and you can learn more about the driver, but you really got to go and get this thing into your hands. There's demo days all over the place. You get to retail now and, and try it out. Go to your local pro uh, that carries ping, try it on driving range. Uh, I know you won't be disappointed. Lots of great drivers out there, but this one, G425 driver, amazing. Okay, now I got to stop taking these extra little times off in between podcasts because I got I, I, I get my mojo going and then I take some time off. But we did just finish publishing um, another digital edition of Flagstick uh, Golf Magazine. Loved it. It's great. There's a putter feature in there that I know you'll you'll just really enjoy reading. Uh, links to the uh, the actual uh, manufacturers of the putters and details and great photos. Lots of good stuff across a uh, little across the Canada um, golf checkup. Uh, you'll I think you'll love to read that too. It's pretty pretty amazing stuff uh, and lots of other wrap up stuff. So go and check out flagstick.com. Check out the digital edition of Flagstick, and you'll know why I took a little extra time between podcasts to uh, to get going with you guys again. So. Look, I'm really excited to be doing this this episode. There's a lot of great stuff that we're going to we're going to dive into. My good friend Scott McLeod, uh, associate publisher of Flagstick, is going to be with us a little bit later on uh, after I'm done my little intro, my little monologue, my little whatever you want to call this. Uh, but he's going to jump in with us and and uh, we're going to talk a little tournament golf news and notes stuff from the PGA Ottawa. Uh, Play Junior Golf Tour, uh, OVGA wrap ups, the city and districts like lots of great stuff plus to get my favorite thing to talk about my favorite tournament golf event of the year in the region is the intersectionals and we're going to talk about that with scott a little bit later on but first happy open championship week everybody my favorite 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 major of all of them is the open championship but i do have a little pet peeve about the open championship but because this is the 613 golfer podcast and this is about golf within the region. I'm not even going to get into all of this. I'm just saying it's my favorite. There's some things about the Open Championship I'd, I'd love to see happen more often. The weather. I would love for the weather to be ridiculously bad so that we see some carnage on these golf courses over there instead of seeing it bright and sunny and beautiful and these guys shooting five and six under par. It's nuts. They're the best golfers on the planet and they can do this, but we need a little bit of mother nature to get in there and teach them a lesson once in a while. Anyways, love the open championship, which brings me to a point. You like Lynx golf. Have you ever played Lynx golf? Most of you probably have never played Lynx golf. And I got to tell you, a Lynx golf course is not a golf course that has no treats. Okay, so I, I've heard that a lot. Oh, I play Lynx golf, you know, it's wide open, you know, no trees, lots of bunkers. No, that's not Lynx golf. Lynx golf is by definition any golf course that is separates a, um, a an ocean or the sea, because Lynx golf is European, obviously, the sea from the town. 
So it's the piece of property that runs right between the town and the sea. It's a separation. That's it's a link, a link between the sea and the town. Around here, we don't have anything like that. Okay, but the closest thing that we do have, which is, and, and it's very, very, very close to being exactly what Lynx Golf is, is the Iroquois Golf Club down in Iroquois, down the 416, hang a little bit of a right, and, uh, or a little bit of a left, I guess, if it's the 416, Highway 31 for me, because I'm close there, but anyway, uh, Iroquois. Um, very much, it's wide open. There's a few trees there, but trees have got nothing to do with it. There's trees on Lynx golf courses. Um, they just generally don't grow there because it's hard to. But uh, lots of bunkers, lots of long grass. That's a Lynx golf course. So you want to play Lynx golf around here in the 613, go to Iroquois, play the Iroquois golf course. Now, Morrisburg golf course is also very much a Lynx golf. A little, not quite the same, but very, very, very close. It's a nine-holer, a uh, nice little golf course. Uh, um, big men's night. Uh, I think they call it the bull-eye. Um, but uh, anyway, you can check out that golf course. And if you like the Lynx style golf courses, we do have a few of them. The, the Predator golf course uh, at Greyhawk is uh, what they call a Scottish Moorland style golf course. It was designed by uh, uh, Takahashi. Um, that plays very much on the ground, pop bunkers. If you've never played that, it's a club link course. So you might have to play with a guest at some point. And the Cloverdale, uh, Cloverdale Lynx is kind of got that sort of flavor to it. Again, it's not a Lynx golf course by definition. It's a Lynx style golf course. So you can, you can play your ball pretty much on the ground there a lot. It's not sort of a Lynx golf course that you have to fly everything into. So there you have it. Um, not really a rant, but I, ugh, I do have a rant. Uh, I'll tell you something. I have played all of about four rounds of nine hole rounds of golf this year. And of the four nine hole rounds of golf that I've had the opportunity to play, loved it. Lots of fun. Played with my younger son, all four rounds. Uh, and, and I always like playing with my family and with my kids. But slow play, I have to tell you, folks, and this is I'm going to let me preface this right off the bat. This is not a women slow. This is not a men slow this is not a senior slow this is not a junior slow this is just in general because in four rounds of golf i have gotten it from all uh all sides of the uh, spectrum with respect to who is slow but the general um the general uniqueness or, or sameness i guess to to the slow play it, it, it's common and, and let me tell you i am literally tired of people saying, you know, uh, two hours, two and a half hours for a round of golf is okay. It's not okay. It's not okay even on a day when a golf course is jam-packed busy. The tee times are spread out enough that a golf course, a round of golf doesn't need to take two to two and a half hours to play nine holes. Four and a half, 445, five hours. We can put 144 golfers in the flagstick open at Equinel. And we can put them in 10 minutes apart and we can we have players that are plus indexes all the way to 19 indexes playing in that tournament and not one single round of golf in that tournament takes more takes takes four and a half hours it, every single round is less than four and a half hours less than in tournament golf when when slow play is at its highest because everybody is grinding over every putt and every shot and every yardage so that should tell you something 
And it, and, and that should tell you something because it doesn't, it tells you that it doesn't matter how good a golfer you are, because we have players in that tournament that shoot well over a hundred, depending on the flight that they're in or the division that they're in. So I don't, don't tell me that it's because I'm not a good golfer. It has nothing to do with how good a golfer you are. It has to do with how you play when you're out there. And this is the frustrating part for me. So I will give you an example to kind of bring it into perspective for you. I'm standing on the tee with my son, Brandon, and we're waiting to hit. And there's a group uh, in the fairway or in on the hole that's just hit their tee shots, okay? Now, they didn't all hit their tee shots to the same spot in the fairway. They're all in four different spots. Two of these people are in a cart together and two of these people are walking. On all four next shots, the two people in the cart drive over to the ball of one of the people in a, that, are, that are walking. And the two people that are, are in the cart sit in the cart beside, stand, beside the person that is one of the people that is walking that's not hitting. And they all stand there, all three of them stand there and watch that person hit their shot. Then that person puts their club in their bag and then they all in the cart drive over to the other person's ball. And then the two people walking, walk over there and stand there while they hit their shot. And then after that, they go to the next person's ball. They congregate around the one person that's hitting their shot until all four have hit their shots. And then they repeat the process on the next shot. They're chipping. Once they're around the green, they're kind of on their own ball. But then as they get closer and closer to the hole, they're all standing around the hole. Like they're like this, this big party about to happen when the ball goes in the hole. Okay. Now, why does this bother me? Because you play your ball, you go to your ball, you stand by your ball till it's your turn to hit, you assess what you need to do, what club you want to hit, you do whatever setup it is you want to set up, and you hit your shot. Then you start walking to your next ball and you stop walking when you get even with the next person hitting their shot. You don't walk over to their ball and stand around them like, a, like, like you're sitting in the grandstands watching a PGA Tour event waiting for this person to hit. You don't even have to play ready golf. Now, ready golf is, if I'm at my ball ready to hit, I hit. Even if I'm not technically, technically, the next guy or next girl or next person that is supposed to hit their shot. You just hit because you're ready to hit. You go. But if you're not going to play ready golf, at least go to your ball and wait for it to be your turn to hit and then hit. Don't go to your friend's ball and stand there and wait for them to hit if you haven't hit your shot yet. Like this is pace of play 101 people, okay? Pace of play 101. Now I understand there's a lot of new golfers right now, especially in the last, in the last couple of years. There's a lot of new golfers playing and they're learning their, their habits from people who have been playing. And if the people who have been playing's habits are to do that, then the new people are going to do it too. And then it just keeps escalating until everybody's doing the same damn thing. And we got five hour and five and a half hour rounds of golf and two and a half hour, nine hole rounds of golf. Unacceptable. Golfers. Golfers of the 613. 613 golfers. Unacceptable. We cannot play golf that way. It will turn too many people away from golf because they'll realize that I don't want to play. Now that I have other things that I can do, I don't want to spend two and a half hours out here playing nine holes of golf. Like it's just, it's no, I don't want to stand around in 38 degree humidity or, you know, whatever. God, now I'm 
I'm, I'm upset. I'm upset. Okay. I don't want to be upset, but today was a little bit of a, a rant to get things going because this is like, I've only played four nine hole rounds and all four of them have been exactly the same thing. It's just so frustrating. I just want to go out and play my nine holes and, and uh, you know, and go home or whatever I'm allowed to do, sit on the patio if I'm allowed to do that. I just, you know, I just, that's what I want to do. And I don't want to do this slow play stuff. Like you just, you know, if you hit it a hundred times in one hole, it's not going it, it, to, it doesn't take any longer than if you hit it three or four. It's, you're just hitting it. You're just, but you're constantly moving forward. So it's not about how good you are. Let me just, once again, get that straight. It doesn't matter how good you are. It matters how you play. Play quickly. You don't have to run, but play quickly. That's it. That's it. No more rant. Okay. Now, exciting stuff before we, uh, we're going to have to take a break in a minute here. Um, exciting stuff before we get to having Scott come on and uh, Scott and I are going to have a chat. I love it when Scott comes on because, you know, Scott and I have been best friends for a very long time. And when we get together on this podcast and even when we just, we're just chatting, I mean, Scott and I talk on the phone, I'm driving around, I got the, I got the hands free going and we're just chatting. We 45 minutes to an hour of conversation, depending on where I'm driving or what I'm doing or what he's doing. And we're just talking about whatever. So it's always great when Scott comes on. Cause we just, you know, we just talk and, and uh, that's when you get a good podcast is when you're just having to chat, no scripts, no scripts, no pieces of paper, no scripts. Um, what would I just say there? Um, I was going to say, oh yeah, no scripts. Okay. Um, so one of the other really awesome things about, uh, about this week and, and, uh, is phase three, Ontario is entering into phase three. Now, what does that mean? I have no idea <laughs> as a golfer. I'm really not sure. I've seen all the notices and stuff as to one thing I do know is no more pool noodles in the hole. I mean, goodbye pool noodles um hello clickety clack of the ball hitting the bottom of the cup exciting sound when you make that putt and you get that sort of you know you get this sound the ball hits the hole it's the greatest it's great sound par birdie bogey doesn't matter once the ball's in the hole you know that it's over no more lifters most golf courses won't have the lifters in anymore now Every golf course is going to have their own set of rules as far as that. Some are saying, leave the flag in. Some are saying, yeah, you take the flag out. Whatever the case may be, it's a sign of some sense of normalcy returning to the game that we love to play. Um, so phase three is important from that perspective. Getting to go in the clubhouse after your round, most golf courses that uh, I've seen documentation from, that's happening. Patios opening up a little bit more, um, you know, limited, the, the limit is sort of, you know, only being allowed 15 minutes ahead or 20 minutes ahead. And a lot of courses, they're lifting that, you know, being able to be on the putting green for an hour before your tee time and, and, and being able to go to the range after your round to work on your swing a little bit, uh, you know, most golf courses are relaxing that rule as well. So just that sense of, you know, one of the things that I always love to do when I play is I just like to go and play. Now I'm waiting for that moment when I don't have to book my tee time at my golf course. I'm kind of a six o'clock, six thirty, seven o'clock at night, nine hole golfer. That's what I like to do. I'm very busy during the day. I don't have a lot of time to play 18 holes anymore. Um, when I do great, but I like to have my dinner, 
and then grab my clubs and, and, and go and play nine holes. Um, that's hard to do right now because you have to book your tee time. And I don't always know when, I, if the golf course's last tee time is at six o'clock and I'm playing golf at 6.30, I can't play. So I'm waiting for that opportunity when I can just grab my clubs and go to the course and, and play or grab my, it seems like it's getting closer and closer to that. And maybe, maybe that is part of the phase three. It doesn't really say that it is, but some golf courses might be allowing that to happen, but hitting a bunker shot, people, no more picking your ball up and placing it in the bunker and hitting your shot because the bunker can't be raked. The brakes are going back in. You got to hit that ball from the bunker the way it is. So those fried eggs are back. Fried egg lies, tough lies, sitting in a, well, I guess in a footprint, that was a rule that was changed. If you're in someone's footprint, you can lift your ball up, break underneath and put your ball back down. But anyway, you know, you get a bad line to bunker, you get a bad line to bunker. So that stuff's coming back. So it's very exciting. We're entering phase three, no more pool noodles. Rakes are back. We're hitting bunker shots. We're not having to be at the golf course like just before we tee off. So, folks, you know, uh, it's exciting. We're getting some normal back. So, look at little recap. Pick up the pace. Links Golf. There's only a couple around here. Check out Iroquois. Check out Morrisburg. If you like Linksy style, Predator at Greyhawk, if you can get on there, or Cloverdale Links. Great little links style golf courses. But we got to take a break. When we come back, Scott McLeod, my buddy, my best friend, associate publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine, is going to join us. And we're going to talk about tournament golf and we're going to talk about the intersectionals. So stay with us. Don't go anywhere. At Ping, we're an engineering company. Success is measured in the lab and on your scorecard. We focus on results, your results. In the G425 Max driver, that means more time in the fairway, less time in the rough. It means longer drives, shorter approach shots, and fewer putts. The new G425 drivers, taking MOI to the max. Get fit today. Visit ca.ping.com to learn more about G425. All right, and as promised, 613 Golfers, I said I would have him here, and he's here, Scott McLeod, my best friend, my buddy, and the associate publisher of Flagstick Golf Magazine. Good day, Scott McLeod. How are you? Good. Yourself? What's I'm going awesome. on? awesome. It's Open Championship Week. I told everybody it's Open Championship Week. My, not everybody's, but my favorite major of the year. My Love it. Loved playing over there when we yeah. went to Scotland. Uh, I fell in love with that style of, of turf, that style mm -hmm. of golf. And I kind of said right off the top, you know, we don't really have in this region any links, true, true, true links golf no, courses. But I did say Iroquois is probably about the closest thing that we have to a links golf course. And even it's other than yeah, its position, stretch. <laughs> other than its location relative to a town and a body of water, it's still... Yeah not really links golf and but yeah i uh, mean it's really about that turf right i mean that's the big thing you know from the first time that you got on the ground in scotland got onto a golf course and and uh you know your first thing to get out on wasn't a links course it was glen eagles but even walking out on that turf and seeing the difference of it uh you know as we played panmure for an example over yes. by carnoustie you know you got the feel for that of uh, how that firm turf is and how it lends itself to the creativity of lots of shots and then 
you know, Gullen obviously was fantastic for us as well in, in that playground. But yeah, certainly, you know, if you've had that experience, it gives you a whole different perspective on watching the Open this week. Well, it wasn't even really until um, until we played at North Barrick mm, yes. uh, that, yeah. that truly, truly did I understand um, what that, how that turf, uh, you know, what that turf really meant when, when it was like, we're staying at the, uh, 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 the Marine hotel. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it was like pouring rain. Absolutely it, it's pockets. a little blurry for me. I was kind of uh, sick. Yeah. You did throat, have strep throat. It was a little, a little ill, but anyways, but it was, it was raining so badly the yeah. night before we played. And I remember laying in my, in my room that night, listening to the rain and, and, and going off, you know, this, you know, it's our last <laughs> round of the, the trip. It's our last round of the trip. We had the match, yep. the match was scheduled and, and, um, and I'm thinking we're not going to play. Yeah. And you get up the next day and it's, it's blustery out and it's not raining, but it's really windy and you get out and, it, and it's, it's dry as a freaking bone. Yeah. 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 And it's like, that's how the in the world is this that dry when it rains so much, but that's like I said, that's the magic of that's the turf. It just, yeah you know drains everything so well yeah so. exactly and you know i think everybody uh you know as more people watch the open and and watch more of it they start to get an appreciation for it um again you're right it's not everybody's favorite uh major a lot of people would like you know some people like watching the na on the women's side or watching the masters or whatever you know your choice whatever the case may be but yeah for us uh yeah, the open is is the one. And I, I joked last night on Twitter, I, I put a tweet out and said, not that I'm an open fan, but I have at least two pictures of the claret jug in my kitchen. So that's usually <laughs> an indicator if someone comes in the house. So uh, and one happens to be holding the claret jug. That's so, right. That's right. I think I got the cool. replica some in some box. Oh, there. yes, that's and right. Yeah. So because all the stuff from the old house when we moved over, we used to remember I used to have the golf room. Right. And everything was on display and I had the little miniature replica of the Claret Jug and all yeah. that stuff is. I don't yeah. Know, and that was really somewhere. cool that, you know, you got that in St. Andrews mm -hmm. and uh, the shop next to Octorlonies and uh, it's really cool. It's, you know, it's silver and it's got the replica. And uh, yeah, that's the kind of thing. Uh, that's one of the things maybe I regret not getting when we're there. And maybe uh, maybe we need another trip back. I'm thinking How's, we uh... need another trip back. <laughs> all right. I like that. Uh, I'm game. I'm a gamer. Perfect. Um, now, I also, uh, Scott, so you know, um, I also kind of got into the uh, got into a little bit of slow play uh, ranting at the at the beginning. And I, we don't need to go down the road. I, I think I've, I think I might have said enough for both of us. But <laughs> All right. I just uh, just so you know, in case it comes up in conversation with people say, hey, did you hear what uh, your 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 buddy there, Jeff, had to say about slow play? And if you tone it down just a little bit. But, <laughs> Yeah. um yeah i kind of i i escalated a little bit just because i'm mm. so the whole concept of the pack mentality drives me nuts yeah. where it's like okay there's four balls out there they're all in different spots why isn't everybody at their own ball yeah why is everybody well, I mean, standing we, beside one guy while yeah. he hits a shot or one girl or one junior whatever and i, I said it's not a it's not a gender thing Got nothing no no, to no. Do. no, no. it's not a it's not a good golf or bad golfer thing it's it's just you know, it's the mentality. And I said, a lot of new golfers have, have taken mm. up the game and they're learning these bad habits from some people who've been playing the game that way for a long time. It's just like, okay, look at two and a half hours for nine holes of golf is, yeah. is it's too long. You know? Yeah. And I think, I think part of the responsibility for that, and we've discussed that before, you know, lays on, you know, I'm not at a club obviously, but you know, other PGA professionals that are at clubs and people that are at clubs to, you know, 
find ways to help educate these golfers to help them along. And I think in doing that, it'll actually, you know, help out a lot of other things at a club. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to sit there and go, man, I'm getting a lot of complaints about slow play. And it's one, uh, another thing to recognize, okay, what can I do as a club and as a uh, staff person to educate people and help them along and help them understand it a little bit more. Um, and, and again, you know, it just doesn't come naturally. I mean, how many sports do we go from doing nothing to all of a sudden going full bore in the sport? We always have mm. a transition of how we start and we, how we learn. And, uh, you know, I've seen it over the years where people have said, Hey, you know what? I just want to learn how to play the game, but I'm not necessarily want to learn about swing technique. I want to learn out where do I stand? Where do I put the cart? What's the etiquette or whatever. And I think those things, if they were taught more integrated more into beginning golf programs, while they don't seem that as exciting as a golf swing or a putting stroke or a, you know, a bunker shot. Uh, I think they're important aspects of, for people to learning the game and not just kids, adults too, coming to the game. Hey, maybe there's a, uh, you know, not to put any work on the plate of you and Joe, because I know you got more than enough. Maybe there's a maybe there's a feature a feature uh, editorial piece that uh, can be done sometime down the road where we, um, you know, cover shot and yeah. it's a blackboard with the uh, golf education written across in chalk across the blackboard there, and it's a it's a big feature about educating people about exactly what you just talked about. It's like hey, well, you're new to the game. This is what you need to the need yeah. to knows. Yeah, um, that's something definitely. That's definitely something worth exploring for sure. Good lord, I just made work. I make work project. Thank you. Uh, so, <laughs> so listen, Scott. Yes. Um, before we get into talking about tournament stuff, because I know that that's our that's our bread and butter. That's oh, is there tournaments actually going on right now? Yeah. The, like, like I don't. Like, I'm not aware of what you guys, you and Joe, are doing. Um, one of the things that's really cool that I, uh, another one of those things I jumped off the top of the uh, the show about was the fact that we're entering stage three. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, I kind of joked, you know, no more pool noodles, bunker rakes are back, you know, this kind of thing, but maybe you've, you've got, you've div, dove, you've divin. Why did I divin? What the yeah. hell is divin? Is that that's even a good a word. Thing? That, that is a word that comes up when uh, you're up oh. too early to watch the open championship. We, our tongues don't work, our oh, brains don't yeah. work, but it's okay. worth it. You have looked into. Correct. There you go. The, the details of some of the, the stage three real uh, um, um, plan for a golf courses. So what could yeah. you tell what can we tell people about stage three and what it really truly does mean to, uh, to golfers and to the golf courses? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's relative to everything that uh, sort of goes on uh, elsewhere in society. When you start to look at things like, uh, you know, indoor dining and less restrictions on patio dining and so forth. I mean, those are going to be important things for the golf courses, uh, you know, pro shops, obviously being able to be open, you know, we still have our restrictions as far as physical distancing is concerned, but you know, it's going to allow for, more retail, more uh, of dining, food and beverage options, uh, you know, meeting spaces, people are allowed to have, uh, you know, permitted to have indoor things. So you're going to have some meetings, you're going to be able to have, um, you know, some different types of, you know, weddings, for an example, which, you mm-hmm. know, obviously is a revenue for golf courses. Um, so those are those are some of the key things to start out. And then the other things that people start to look forward to are, uh, you know, golf clinics can obviously expand out a little bit more. And then, the things that we notice the most, which is obviously what a lot of people have been talking about in the last little while, are those things that you're talking about, you know, the pool noodles, the flag sticks, being able to put rakes back in bunkers. Now, 
you know, not every club is going to do it. There's a lot of clubs that are actually discussing whether, you know, how they will address it and how well they will go about it. And golfers as well. I mean, they're, they're saying, okay, you know what? I'm used to having a flag stick in and I like to have it in. And, you know, they yeah. may decide within their group that they're just not going to pull the flag stick out, but at least they have that option now if they want to have it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a sense of normalcy, I think, uh, for the golf industry. And I think it's important, you know, the golf courses themselves have had to, the revenue stream has been primarily, you know, memberships and public play. Now it lets them get back to some normalcy in the revenue streams and, and, uh, you know, look forward to kind of balancing things out because we also don't know if, uh, every, you know, public golfer is going to always come back to the game right now. Yeah, exactly. uh, memberships are definitely sold out and courses are busy, but we're starting to see the tee sheets kind of free up a little bit. So um, just a lot of things there that are really going to help uh, the golf courses and help the golfers feel, you know, quote unquote normal. Yeah. And I, you know, you, you kind of alluded to that, the um, tee sheets and, and, um, and the, the green fear of the public players. I have had a number of conversations in the last week uh, since, since we sort of started to get closer. We've gone through phase two. We started to get closer to phase three opening. I've talked to a lot of uh, industry uh, golf course operators, driving range operators, and so on that are basically calling me up and saying, you know, what are you seeing out there? What are you hearing? Mm -hmm. You know, we're not, we're not seeing the traffic that we did see, um, you know, last year at this time. Right. Um, is everybody kind of in the same boat? And I guess the, the short answer to that is, is no, not everybody is in the same boat as far sure. as the busyness of their facility goes, but there certainly is a little bit of a, little bit of a, a, a trend downward in, in, you know, particularly maybe in driving ranges where a little less busy than they were, uh, even though they might have a, you know, a full deck across the, you know, T deck across the, the range, <clears throat> but they might not have as many people waiting to to get empty space coming in uh, and golf courses. I have, I have seen, you know, myself, I've seen a few tee sheets that are a little bit, a little bit more open than they have been uh, the ability to get some tee times and stuff. But one of the things that, that I, I kind of said off the top of the show about stage three that I'm, and you are to, a, to an extent, but you're, you, you do tend to play a little, a little bit more booked golf. Um, everybody's book, playing book golf, but I mean, for me, I don't, I'm, and you've been the same way. I like to grab the clubs after dinner and go play nine or yep. five or six. Sure. Yep. And up until this point, for me, at least I can't do that. And, yep. and um, I just wonder, do you think that we're, are we there yet with phase three? Are we still in that booking phase? Cause I haven't really seen anything, any of the documentation that I've read, I haven't really seen anything that says, you know, yeah, you can just grab your clubs and go to the golf course at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. Most golf courses are still going to be cautious. Um, they're still going to be thinking about things like uh, contact tracing, which is still going to be important, um, which is really what happens as far as the booking and allows them to, you know, control their access a little bit more. So uh, I think we're going to see that a little bit more. You might see the situation within golf courses where it's members, for an example, uh, that they're more allowed to, you know, come in and, and do that sort of thing versus public golfer just showing yeah. up um, <clears throat> without, you know, without a tee time. So I would say clubs will probably move towards that with in their own membership just because they have you know they have the names of those members uh and they can put them onto the sheet or whatever if they happen to just show up and uh you know the other thing too is you know the other 
part that I like to do is just to go over to the golf course and chip and putt and, yeah. and have a practice. Cause you don't necessarily have, um, you don't necessarily have two hours to go play nine. Um, no. so maybe you just want to go over for 40 minutes or whatever. And, you know, we have that restrictions at my home course that, you know, we don't have practice there right now. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll probably see some freedom in that, at least for members at courses, which obviously, you know, courses saw the big advantage last year in that, uh, people decided, Oh, you know, this is a good time to be a member because, yeah. you know, it feels safer. It's a little bit more controlled. I have a little bit more options. So I, I would say overall, when I'm talking to golf courses, membership levels, I think will stay high. I think it's the transient golfer that is going to settle down a little bit. Like you said, yeah. um, the people that are maybe going to the driving range that didn't have those options last year uh, and, or sorry, they had those options last year, but didn't have other options last year with their other sports that they were playing. But, you know, when we see now the return of things like, you know, softball and camping and, you know, all sorts of other activities, people that have, you know, something has to suffer. And if those people, came and you know played extra golf last year they're probably not going to be doing that this year yeah exactly i mean it, it is unfortunate a little bit for the golf industry but hopefully yeah. the one thing that that all of this covid uh um all this covid uh, stuff has done for the industry is it has exposed enough new people to the game Definitely. that the that the uh, the golf courses uh, that the golf industry has been able to pick up on um a decent amount of new golfers. This is always yeah. the thing for years and years and years and years. And years. I mean, we've been doing this for 25 years and it's always been the thing yeah. with golf course operators is how do we get more members? How do we get more people to play? You know, what do we do? Is it price? Is it the experience? Mm. And I think that the one thing maybe that, that everybody in the industry that's not playing the game has learned uh, as far as course owners and operators go is that the price of the golf is not the relevant no. factor. It's the it's experience, the, it's the value to that person. Yeah. Right? So yeah. if they get all these new members and they've treated these members and, and they've shown how the, these members, what it's like to be a member at a golf course, then they'll get those yeah. members to return in whatever capacity it is, whether yeah. it's a full membership, whether it's a, you know, a partial membership, whatever the case may be, they may not come back and be a full member, but maybe they come back and they buy a package. Uh, so because they've they've been exposed to something that hey yeah I really did like this game so hopefully we have enough of that uh, that's happened that we can keep some momentum going into 2022 um, and that we don't just have a massive drop off and we end up with being able to shoot cannons down fairways at one o'clock yeah. in the afternoon from Monday to Friday. Um, yeah, I, th I think it's a, a good thing. And like you said, with uh, stage three uh, starting on uh, July 16th in, here in Ontario, um, it's just going to start to transform things a little bit. So I'm excited to look forward to it. I, I, it's going to be weird to pull a flag stick out. That's for sure. <laughs> Although, yeah. hey, it's been good for us. People yes. talking about flag sticks all the time. All the time. All it's the time. For, baby. It's made. For I look like stuff. an absolute genius. Yeah, it, for coming up made, with the name. Like yeah, only, that. only took 25 years to be an overnight success. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right, Scott, let's um, uh, let's dive into the uh, into a little bit of tournament golf. So we've yeah, had, sure. um, you know, it's we've said before, it's our it's our bread and butter. It's you know, we do a lot of feature stories and profiles and things like that. But when it comes right down to what flagstick um you know, is all about uh, mm -hmm. the way we deliver the information may have changed over 25 years, but what we, the, the information that we deliver has not. No. Uh, so here we are, we're middle of July, middle of July. Yeah. We're still middle of July. 
Um, and we just released another edition and, you know, we've, I mean, the tournaments that have happened and, and are continuing to happen are, uh, are insane. I mean, yeah. what, uh, what's happened the last, in the last seven to seven or eight days, seven to nine days, I guess, uh, in the world of tournament golf. Yeah, at a regional level, it's, it really has been busy. And I, I've seen that just talking to a lot of uh, golfers, especially even like junior golfers, for an example, and, you know, talking to them about their schedules, whether it's uh, OVJ events, play junior golf tour events, uh, Golf Ontario qualifiers, uh, Maple Leaf Junior Tour, CJGA, um, you know, obviously, you know, with the uh, our involvement with the, uh, you know, flagstick.com PGA of Ottawa tour, you know, we've had events there and, and it's just nonstop. Of, and, and then on top of that, it's golfers from the region going out and playing you know mm-hmm. it's covering stuff in the the north and south and you know down in pinehurst and canadians playing in the you know the u.s junior girls you know ashley Font- la fontaine who uh you know it's from our area you know i qualified for that um yeah a lot so i, I don't know where you want to start with that but i mean obviously well let's you know, start with the most i think i don't well i shouldn't say the most recent but you know actually you know what i don't want let's not go down the intersection road just right. yet cool. let's talk First, about the uh, the flagstick.com PGA of <laughs> Ottawa, yeah, uh, pro pro, yes, uh, our very own, oh, <laughs> our very own Scott McLeod and his partner uh, yep. in crime, Derek McDonald, got a T3. We did get a T3, so uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's nice to go out and you know, not only represent and kind of play on the tour, but uh, you know obviously don't practice uh, as much as uh, have in the past and uh, but you, you know you still want to play well and yeah. you still you still want to go out and represent yourself well and um, you know it was this last Monday that it was held um, you know great sponsorship by uh, you know Cleveland Zirkson, uh Mint Green Group and uh, Nike Golf as well um, you know we have great sponsors obviously on the flagstick.com PGA of Ottawa tour and and uh it was fun to go out to the Brockville country club where we'll be hosting our, you know, our, our two ball championships later in the year. Yes. And uh, it was neat to go there, especially with Derek. Derek used to be the head pro there, grew up there. So uh, probably had more insight on the golf course and the greens than, <laughs> than anyone. And, and which was necessary, did, obviously definitely was necessary. Uh, you know, a very tough set of rugs around there and, and the uh, tough hole locations. And uh, it was just a good fun day. Uh, unfortunately, I had a little wobble of a putt, a little two footer that cost us a bunch of money on the eighth hole. Uh, that was the difference between second and third. It was probably a uh, hundred a foot for each of us. Oh uh, my goodness. But uh, you know, we made some other stuff as well. So again, um, you know, good, good win by uh, Daryl Buchanan and James Spernick, uh in the main division and uh, Graham Gunn and, and Mark Foucault in the, uh, in the senior division and uh, a good turnout as well. And uh, yeah, we, it, it was fun to play and, it's always nice when you can at least, uh, you know, put a little bronze medal around your neck and say, yeah, yes. I, played a, I played okay for a media guy. Hey, that's, uh, that, uh, means that's back to back, uh, um, chalices there for Bucky, uh, Buchanan, right? Yes. The senior champion at the summer open, uh, at, uh, at, yep. uh, Camel- at Camelot, Camelot. Yep. and then, uh, the team, the team, the pro pro team championship with Spearneck at, at Brockville. Way exactly. to go Bucky. I don't know if Bucky listens to this podcast or not, but if he doesn't, he should, because I've just mentioned his name about three times. So yeah, he's uh, been playing well. And obviously Mark Foucault won the spring open as well. Um, Yeah. So, you know, those guys are playing well, you know, there's, there's usually a contingent of, of, 
guys who, you know, put a lot of work into their game, uh, maybe play a little bit more. Uh, you know, you're going to have to face them when you go out there. Yeah. There's certainly no excuses. We've all played golf before. Um, uh, but it, it, it would, uh, you know, it, it's just nice to see. They all, they all enjoy going out there and playing and competing. Uh, certainly there's a social aspect to it. Uh, it's good to see everyone catch up with all the other pros and, and, and see everyone. Uh, but it's also nice to compete as well. And then we well, have look the, what, uh, look what happened with, uh, with Chris uh, Barber. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, he came when he came into the Ottawa zone, you know, a while back and, and was winning. That was yeah. back in a, back with the, the Epic zone championship finale at, uh, at Talon uh, at Greyhawk there oh, yes. where it was Chris and it was Mark Foucault and it was Luke, uh, Saunders. Luke Saunders. And yeah. it was like, it was insane. Yeah. Um, then Chris kind of, you know, he got into the business side of things a lot and didn't play as much and you didn't see his, he wasn't winning. You didn't see, but he sort of this year, he sort of started playing more and kind of concentrating a little bit more on playing and you can see it automatically. It shows when yeah. you, when yeah. you start to, to focus on your game a little more, he's back-to-back wins and I'm sure he'll be more than in contention come zone championship time at the end of the season. And, and I'm sure he'll be on my uh, Ping Challenge Cup uh, team of pros <laughs> that, that aims to uh, uh, take down the assistants again. Uh, again. again. Well, I, I, you know, look, I'm not going to rub it in uh, too much. Yeah, whatever. But, uh, hey, I have the it's trophy sitting right over there. The trophy have, is right there. <laughs> I have the trophy sitting in my office for the last two years, despite the fact that you guys had. Been I know, champions, I know, so. but it is sitting in my office now, so I do get it to is. stare at it uh, at it every day leading up to the the uh, ping challenge cup at the end of the year. Um, okay, Scott, um, the OVGA scene, I think, uh, we've just uh, finished up uh, a couple of, um, major events on the, uh, on the OVGA circuit. So what, uh, what's happened, uh, what's happened with the OVGA in the last little while? Yeah. One of the biggest ones was the, uh, city and district championship, uh, which was fantastic. Um, you know, uh, played over multiple golf courses on multiple days, uh, you know, in the main division on the, uh, women's side, Lee's Juvenville again, you know, won a trophy, uh, multiple time winner. Um, you know, great to see her, her do that. I believe it was her fifth. I'll double check that. Uh, and then Phil Patterson yeah. talking about players that are returning to the tournament scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, has not played a lot of tournaments uh, of late, but, uh, you know, he knew the first round was going to be at his home course, the Prescott Golf Club. Uh, Equinel was going to be the uh, second round. Rivermead was the third. And so he decided to play. So he threw his uh, ring or name in the ring and uh, started out under par on the first day in the home track and just kept it going the whole way through. So uh, those city and district championship is a historic championship. So, so um, yeah. you know, we're talking a century uh, of uh, golf, you know, for, yes. and obviously going back to our future <laughs> or whatever. So, um, you know, to see Phil with that trophy uh, and the cool part is, too, he's a senior player. So he yeah. won the regular city and district as a senior player, proving that, you know, longevity is important. Golf ball doesn't know how old you are. And, uh, you know, it, it, it means a lot to, to him. And you could see how excited he was to, to hoist that trophy and win that championship. And, you know, there's a lot of names on that trophy and, yes. you know, and, and it's neat when you, you see those trophies that, you know, have history to them. Um, it, it's significant. It really is. So those, those are two of the big events, uh, lately. And then obviously, uh, intersectionals, oh my um, gosh, they returned, which I, I, is, I, I couldn't be. I couldn't have been more excited to hear when, when we interviewed, uh, when I interviewed Drew Lefebvre, uh, the tournament right. director from the OBJ at the beginning of the year on his podcast, that 
that the intersectionals was back on the schedule, that the plan was for them to go forward. And then as it got closer and closer, you're just kind of crossing your fingers and you're just, I wasn't giving you the finger. For those yeah, watching sure. on YouTube, this is a crossing <laughs> of the fingers, not a giving of the finger. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah sure, sure. I couldn't have been more, <laughs> I couldn't have been more excited as it got closer and closer to, to see that it was actually going to happen. And, yeah. and man, uh, the intersectionals, for me, I mean, we at one point we were the title sponsor of the old yep. intersectional program from the ladies, the senior ladies, the men's, the senior men's, the juniors. We started off as a sponsor of the uh, the, the juniors played for the flagstick, uh, the flagstick cup. Yeah, uh, it was later renamed. Um, and um, we haven't been the sponsor the last bunch of years. That's been Golf Max. But there's no my heart is still with the intersectionals. I mean, mm -hmm. we've been doing golf in this region with flagstick for 25 years and the intersectionals has always been something that is just like, I just love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, what do you think Scott, it means to, to the region and to the clubs in particular and the players at those clubs, what does it mean to them to have this event back in, in full force the way it is? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing when you talk to the golfers and, you know, they talk not only about the final event and the, the day itself when the events happen, but the qualifying. I mean, it's a it's a real point of pride at the club to make the intersectional team. And a lot of the clubs obviously, you know, get clothing and stuff for their team members. You know, it just shows you're one of the better players at the club. Uh, and, and, you know, for that reason, it means a lot. Then you get to go and represent your club. So not only do you qualify yeah. and have that little ego boost that says, yeah. hey, I, I'm a good player at my club. You know, I should be, you know, I gained a little respect that way. But then you actually get to wear that shirt and, and go to these intersectionals, compete for your teammates and for your club to represent them. And, you know, those matches, while you're, you're only playing, you know, three players or two players, depending on, you know, what division that you're in, um, it, it means that much more. And, and it's different than playing for yourself. And yeah. again, with the history of it, obviously the men's goes back a little bit further than the women's, the juniors, the seniors, and so forth. But, um, you know, all the great players for the region you know everybody who's come out of this region to you know to go on to play professional golf or be the top amateurs be a top amateur in the country in the province in the region has been involved with these intersections and, and, and you know professional athletes as well i mean you know if you talk to somebody like daniel albertson one mm -hmm. of the biggest things ever for his golf career was winning six points you yeah. know for, yes. for his team you know what i mean that's that's when you talk about golf memories these are what people have um, so I think that's partly why, you know, it's so important to have it back again. You know, it involves thousands of golfers around the region. It is the biggest event. It's probably one of the biggest events in the country, uh, mm -hmm. because of the, the scale of the golfers trying to qualify for the teams, then going on to compete in the events, plus all the different categories. So, um, there's nothing that gets more attention and, and, you know, on, on the Sundays when it happens, um, I will say they're very busy Sundays. Uh, you know, obviously we have a lot of the clubs, uh, you know, sending in results to us now with social media, obviously they're tagging us in things, sending pictures of their teams. We try to tabulate the results live, try to post it up on our website and get going. And I mean, we get crushed with traffic on that just because people want to find out what's going on and, you know, DMS nonstop. Have you heard what's going on over here? What's going on? You know, who's playing well and, 
Um, I, I think it's just amazing. And I think there's going to be more evolution to it as well. I would love, you know, as some people have suggested now that we were in the sort of the golf genius era, the, I would yes. love to see some live scoring and some things, the logistics of it happening uh, so that people can follow it a little bit better. But uh, yeah, so we've had the, the men's and the, and the women so far um, on the uh, men's side, the A is always the, you know, the top thing that everybody yeah. looks at because, you know, if people are not familiar with the intersectionals. You have the various divisions and then you work your way up. If you're the winner in the, your division, you move up the next year lower one goes down. It's just a ladder system that's there. So, uh, you know, Rito View took it this year. They had uh, a few rookies on the team as always. So, yes. you know, they, they got to go for a swim in the pond. Is there a tradition at their that club? Not, that's not a, I, I realize you want to, that you want to be on the team and, and right. want to win. So, you know, you want to jump in that pond, but nobody, I mean, even Brad Fritch has said nobody wants to yeah. jump in that pond. Well, like, yeah, and not, not only do you pond. have to, yeah, not only do you have to jump in the pond, you have to get a ball out of the bottom. That's the deal. You don't just jump in the pond. You have yeah. to get a ball out of the bottom of the pond and bring it back up. So not uh, always uh, great. And, and you know what? An exciting thing happened this year on the women's side of it. Uh, Ottawa Hunt, the Ottawa Hunt women actually won it for the very first time, which is hard to believe because, again, you know, the Ottawa Hunt men's team has been a contender for a long, uh, long while and won the championship many times. Uh, so the women won it this year and they were kind of excited. And then now we'll we'll look ahead to, uh, you know, this Sunday will be the, the juniors. Uh, and then we get towards the end of August for the senior women and the senior men at the start of September. So uh, still have three competitions to look forward to. Uh, but again, you see that pride, you see that involvement. And I think even this year, because players now had that chance to go back and do it, I think next year, even they'll be more eager yeah. to, to go back and do that. So great, great to see it back in, uh, in, in uh, whatever format that they can do it in. Obviously not as social, they can't, you know, hang around as much as they normally could, but, you know, hopefully next year. Yeah, exactly. I can remember, um, you know, when I, when I first started the magazine and did sort of my first bunch of years of intersectionals at the time joe was the tournament director joe mcclain right. yep. uh, was the tournament director for the obj and and joe would be like and now the results for the tournaments back then came to me by fax <laughs> and, then, and then i had yeah. to re retype um all of the results into you know whatever format i was going to publish them in the magazine in um and i got these sheets with the six pointers and the four pointers, depending on how many teams were in that division. And, and Joe was like calling or phoning the club and then relaying, you know, it was just this, because there was crazy. no cell phone, there was no texting, right. hey, send me the results. It was like this one. So I was sitting by my fax machine the Sunday night waiting for so, all these so faxes. So just like I am now, yeah. uh, you know, social media yeah. or phone or whatever the case may be. One yeah. sheet after another, after yeah. another. And it was a thermal fax. So I had to make sure that I got the results typed in relatively quickly because the thermal paper, the ink would, whatever would wear out and I wouldn't be able to read it if I didn't do it quick enough. And oh yeah. my gosh, yeah. yeah. Times have changed, but the intersectionals have not. They have not. And, uh, you know, I guess that transition transition us a little bit too into some of the junior stuff. Cause obviously, you know, we have a media partnership with the play junior golf tour and, uh, mm -hmm. here was the thing. The one thing that we haven't been able to do a lot in the last year is a lot of live coverage. Yes. Um, you know, there's been very much, uh, limitations at golf courses, uh, whether it's associations or otherwise. So even as media members, we don't always get to, to have access. So we haven't been out covering as many events, which, you know, 
boots on the ground is still the best way to see what's going no on uh, for a tournament. You know, whether it's the stories or just the social aspect or getting to see people, talk to people and so forth. And um, so last Friday, I managed to get over to uh, the landings in Kingston. Uh, and that was the uh, third event of the year for the Play Junior Golf Tour. Uh, got to see about 70 plus kids tee off there running some parents, see some kids, you know, kind of, you know, kids have graduated, got older, yes. better. You can see who the prospects are and, and who's, you know, probably going on to do other things. And uh, so just in the last while, they've really got their schedule going. Uh, you know, the previous time I was on the podcast, they had just played the Upper Canada event. Now they played Smith Falls, the Landings, uh, Camelot. And actually today, while we speak, they're actually at Trillium Wood down in Belleville. So they've started, they had started with the Ottawa, section of the tour mm -hmm. and then now they're they're deep into the uh, st lawrence section as well and uh you know we've got a lot more events coming up in the next little while for them and uh over 500 members now that's awesome which is, which is crazy good job um, chris good job yeah. chris belt camp yeah and you know what they put a lot of work into it um and it's it's fun to see and and it's neat also to see in the events where the kids are excited little kids too like i yeah. mean the landings was interesting because they've been doing this a little bit they have obviously their set divisions they have the initiation but, group right right but they yeah. also when they have a bunch of like little brothers and sisters and whatever show up at the event they'll put out a little front set of tees for these kids to go they're not even in the tournament and they're not even you know so at That's the landings awesome. for an example i look over and there was a kid who was probably four years old you know putting away on the on the range or whatever and i heard uh mclean a, a gentleman who helps out chris a little bit uh and said hey are we putting out the front tees and yep and they just put out, I don't know how many holes they did it for or whatever. And the kids get to go out there and bat it around, get a feel for it, get excited about it, get involved in tournament golf. Uh, and it starts their relationship with the game that might carry through to the intersectionals, might carry through to college golf. You never know where it's yeah. going to lead. Um, and, and that's just great to see. And, you know, they've been averaged 70 to 90 players uh, per field. Obviously, you know, it's harder right now for the clubs uh, trying to accommodate uh, larger groups. Yeah. Uh, so it's restricted a little bit. You know, they've had a few cancellations because of, you know, lockdown situations and stuff like that. But they're prospering despite the restrictions and it's really setting groundwork for, you know, another year to come as well. No, it's, it, it really is awesome. And what Chris has done with that tour, um, you know, just, it's so important uh, that we, cr we create these playgrounds for the juniors. Um, you know, the, they're, that's where they can develop their skill, their tournament skills. Cause I know, you know, I know a number of kids that have just started uh, playing a lot of tournament golf this year mm -hmm. and, without tours like the play junior golf tour where, you know, they're not all big events. Yeah. Um, like as far as big right. provincial yeah. or, yeah. you know, regional yeah. championships, there are these one day tournaments where tournament golf is a different animal and, mm -hmm. and you have to learn and get comfortable playing that in that environment. And without yeah. tours like Chris's mm -hmm. um, and other tours like his, but, but in this region, Chris's tours, um, they don't have, um, um, a proving ground, you know, or right. a, a place to, to develop that tournament skill yeah. that makes them more comfortable going to an Ontario uh, junior qualifier or Ontario amateurs yeah. or whatever the case may be. So, yeah. you know, what Chris done, Chris has done, and it's the reason why we jumped into, into the ring with him this year and said, Definitely. we want to do this uh, media partnership with you because we want to give the tour the exposure that it deserves 
beyond just hosting these events. It adds an element uh, of, uh, of marketing promotion for their sponsors and for the tour and, and just yeah. makes it makes it a bigger, uh, bigger thing than, than maybe people think it is. Yeah, so if uh, people want to check that out, they can uh, go to pjgttour.com. And then also, if they have an interest in their other parts of Ontario, there is actually a cohesive website now that was, you know, really pushed by Golf Ontario called the Junior Golf Pathway. Uh, so just Google that and look for that website. And it has a comprehensive schedules for all the junior tours in Ontario and really gives you the feel. Because like you said, you know, they have to start someplace to, to work their way up. And we just had uh, at Upper Canada this week uh, was the qualifiers for the uh, Ontario Junior Ontario amateur, Ontario men's senior, um, again, all this stuff that's going yeah. on right now. And some of the kids that I saw at that junior qualifier at Upper Canada were all kids that played on the play junior golf tour and it prepared them to go up and play that tour. And a lot of them go back and forth right now. They go, yeah. go back and, and play, you know, some of the PG, uh, PJDT tour events you know, to keep themselves sharp, to, to, you know, to kind of prep themselves. And I also see mentorship happen too, which yes. is really neat to see. Yeah. I see some of the older kids helping out with the younger kids, maybe helping them out with a little bit on the driving range, or you see them give them some guidance as far as, you know, where they need to go and what they need to do. Uh, that makes them all more comfortable, makes them all more engaged in the game of golf and just makes it better for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, definitely does. Now, Scott, before, uh, before we wrap up having you uh, with me this week, I want to uh, I want to jump into one more event. All right, uh, uh, an event that hasn't happened yet. Oh, and um, and obviously we have been talking uh, a lot about um, a second event that uh, that we would run. Yep, um, and we were nailing down the details and 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 honest truth everybody we're still we're still working on a lot of the detailed details but yeah. um we uh we were able to finalize enough of what we wanted to do to be able to open registration and the the flagstick two ball championships has uh, has officially been born yes uh, and the registration is up and last night we got our first official registration and uh and it kind of seems to be snowballing now so yeah I kinda, we kind of <laughs> expected that but uh but you know let's just talk um just really quickly about uh about this event and uh and the format of this event and and why we're doing it scott yeah i mean uh you know in running the flagstick open amateur championship you know we've got a stroke play individual event that uh you know has grown in stature and you know that's very important but you know we also recognize that golfers want different formats they don't always as we talk about in the intersectionals they want to play for someone else or play for a different format not necessarily just on their own ball um but having the two ball championship allows you to team up with uh, another uh, person. You know, we've got men's divisions, women's divisions uh, at Brockville Country Club. Great golf course, which obviously we've talked about here a little bit in hosting the Pro Pro on Monday. Uh, it's in fantastic shape, by the way. Um, and you know what? Uh, that team event, they're going to play uh, net stable forward uh, over two days. It adds a little bit of a social element because, you, again, you have that team sort of environment and, um, you know, you, you have some backup, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is comforting for people. Um, it is it is comforting. And uh, so and we wanted that little social aspect to it a little bit. And 
having it in September as well. Uh, good timing for the year if people are getting ready for maybe playing in a bunch of scrambles or things like that. They played a lot of individual stuff during the year. Um, and, and I'm just I'm just interested to see how we go from, you know, a great format that we've had with the flagstick open amateur to carrying this to a team event and having that same quality environment, all the same features with, you know, registration gifts and rules officials and, you know, just have a good quality event like we had there before when we mm -hmm. used to have the BC open BCC open there, they get to play for an amazing trophy, which we yes. can talk about a little bit. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's a big thing It's a fun atmosphere, but still competitive uh, something people look forward to maybe getting together with a buddy, which maybe they haven't been able to do and adding the women's side of it as well, which, you know, we've been asked about a lot and we wanted to have the right event for it. And, uh, yeah, so interest has been great so far, uh, especially on social, just introducing stuff in the last couple of days. A lot of people that are in the process right now of nailing down who their partner is and maybe <laughs> you gotta pick maybe, exactly the right uh, exactly. combination yeah and I, I was talking to a young guy last night and he was the exact same thing he's like well i've asked this guy but i'm not sure how well we'll work together and you know so yeah i think we'll see a, a big uptick uh, in the next little while for it and i know you're excited about it as well oh, I'm, I'm super excited about it and one of the things that excites me about it is the fact that Generally speaking, I am not a net tournament kind of guy. Um, yeah. You know, the Flagstick Open is uh, is split into divisions, and it's it's split obviously by uh, indexes. Um, and but generally, we don't split the divisions until the Tuesday before I do the draw, just because right. we wait to the very last minute to verify all the handicap indexes. Um, and, and inevitably, you know. Sometimes the indexes get a little bit crazy. Um, There's nothing you happen. can do about that, unfortunately. It is what it is. Now, with this yeah. event being uh, a net event, meaning mm -hmm. obviously for those that don't know, that means that you have an index, you have to have a Golf Canada valid index. If you don't have one and you want to play in the two ball, pay the 55 bucks or whatever I think it is with Golf Canada to get um, a valid uh, login and stuff so that you can post your scores on golf Canada and get a valid index. Cause there is no way that we can take anybody into the tournament on the basis of, you know, merit. <laughs> yeah. just, we yeah. can't because it's a team well, we event. Just, and yeah. We, we just wanted to, to be fair, way. but I think, you know, the stable for scoring sort of lends itself to, uh, you know, equating people a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, makes it more interesting too, because, you know, if somebody's having a bad hole, it's, you know, there's a maximum that you're going to, you know, lose as far as points are concerned. So exactly. um, again, it, it allows, you know, if people want to play a little bit more aggressively on certain holes and Brockville's great for that. Um, you know, you've got some holes that you can try to drive as, as far as the par fours, par fives that you can go for. Um, yeah. And I think it just, that adds the other sense of fun, uh, instead of dread that sometimes people have. Well, yeah, and it's like, play. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, a one handicap can play with a 15. Yeah. And and the two of them together have just as much chance of winning under this format as two ones. Yeah. You know, so it's um it's the ultimate leveling of the playing field when you get into a net score and a Stableford system to combine together. It's yeah. the ultimate level leveler of, of scoring. And well, the you know, worst and, thing is they're going to lose a point on a hole if they have a double bogey or higher, right? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah exactly. So we've it's a modified point system. So if you're looking up, look on go to flagstick.com and and uh, and look uh, under click, events. Click under events, and you'll see the yeah. two ball. All the details are there. 
and the registration. There's a link there to go directly to the registration on the uh, the official Flagstick Two Ball Championships portal page uh, through Golf Genius, uh, which we've got everything is all set up and ready to go. So you register as a team, either for the men's division or the women's division. There are no flights after that. So you either yep. sign up for the men's, you sign up for the women's, mm-hmm. you're going to put in your index and and you play your own ball. Yep. And it's the it's the best ball that's counted and then the stable for points Kick according to that best ball. So, um, you know, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And at Brockville now, the trophy, um, mm-hmm. originally when we when the, the BCC Open was created uh, as part of the BMG Cup Series a number of years ago, um, Brockville Country Club had commissioned a uh, uh, Stanley Thompson trophy. So it was actually a mold uh, of, of Stanley Thompson that was created for the topper of the trophy. And then we had the mold put onto a trophy base and all the plating stuff. And, and it was given to the winner of the BCC open. Well, of course the BCC open, we, we stopped running the event and then it never continued after that. And the trophy basically sat in the, uh, in the golf lounge, uh, at the Brock country club for yeah. all this time. Um, and then, uh, general manager, uh, of, uh, of the Brockville Country Club now, Jason Walmart, uh, approached me about, you know, hey, what, what can we do to get, you know, you know, bring this trophy back into play, do an event and stuff. And it just so happened it was at the same time that we were we were talking about this two ball event. And, and I, I just basically bounced the idea. This is what we're thinking of doing. What do you think? He's like, yeah, we're all in. Let's go. And it was like, all right, well, you know, the hardest part of any of running any event is getting a dance partner. Um, you know, as far as a venue goes and, and we got a dance partner for a venue right off the bat and, and then, you know, locked up a few sponsors on the back end, um, and, and sort of figured out how the format was going to work and the pricing and, you know, what the registration gets and the pricing. You and I just, you know, chatted the other day and kind of listed out, mailed down what we wanted, how we want to structure the pricing for the, uh, for each division and uh and what we want to see in the registration package and and now the you know the next step is you know to to solidify all of that stuff and we'll have all that ready to go t markers are ordered uh, nice orange ones and blue ones for the for this year um for the event and and uh, get some new flags and start doing some pin sheets and stuff and it's just you know everything that we've done with the flag stick open over the years all of that that knowledge of yeah. how to run a golf tournament just kind of comes to, okay, we need this, we need this, we need this, we need this. Yeah. And, and the list start checking off the boxes and away we go. So September 11th, 12th, the Brockford country club will be ready to rock a uh, two day event. We should let people know that too. It's a two ball event, two ball championship, uh, but it's also a 36 hole championship. So yes, it two is. Separate yeah. days, uh, it's not one day for the men and one day for the women. It's, it's 36 holes. Yeah. So, and, and it's, and it's going to be fun. And I mean, it's going to be fun not only to, to play in it, but it's going to be fun to run it as well. I think. Yeah. So this, Scott, is, for, this is for amateurs only. So yes, yes, it is for amateurs only. So uh, yeah. pros, no, stay away. Um, what's next on uh, on your agenda? What's coming up for you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as far as tournament coverage, playing, what side? Oh, wait, of there's, there's no, uh, there's no PGA. What's the next PGA Ottawa uh, would be the complex? Would be the Senior Championship uh, on Monday. Oh my which god! I'm, which I'm <laughs> eligible for, but I'm not sure I'm playing. Where, <laughs> so, where is it this year? It is Mississippi. 
Stay back. I know. I have to today to make that decision. So senior championship. We will see if I play my first senior championship. But uh, again, you know, uh, you like to have time to prepare. I think one of the things right now is that the schedule is coming so hard and fast. Yes. um, It's hard to give up days. And I I will tell you this, you know, everybody knows when they play tournament golf is that, you know, it takes a little bit out of you. Uh, And uh, even Tuesday, I woke up Tuesday and I'm like, man. that was that was hard <laughs> you yeah. know what i mean just, just well there was play. a grind too that just yeah. in, the course was set up a little bit tougher than yeah. than maybe maybe it should have been but um <laughs> you don't want to go down that road but yeah and that and that can grind you out pretty good too when you're yeah. when you're constantly grinding to yeah and it's play. and it's fun and it's fun but um you just, you know, there's days are really precious this time of year, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and we have a lot of other things that are happening and going on. So I'll evaluate that today and, and look at the schedule, because, again, uh, we have a lot of provincial championships that are starting to come up. Uh, we have some more play junior golf tour events uh, that are coming up as well. Uh, you know, OBGA type things. You know, there's just a lot that's happening on the schedule. So uh, kind of want to be prepared for that and, and make sure that uh you know, we don't, uh, I don't dive into that and disappear uh, when there's other work to be done as well. Of course. And junior intersectionals is this Sunday. Correct. Um, yep. at, at various courses throughout the, throughout the 613. Um, obviously the, the A will be the sort of major focus of, uh, of so many people, but uh, um, it's just as important if you're in Q yes to get the w because that does get you that much closer to getting up uh, into the into the higher divisions which is ultimately where everybody wants to be well i think those those that's what you get out of it and you know whether you're in the a division or or otherwise it's it's going and and uh it's going and competing and winning that division because you get that honor of of kind of moving moving up so uh yeah really important that way and uh yeah we're working on a bunch of other things obviously you know you're busy with this podcast we're also busy on the t-talk side of it as well yeah. uh getting ready for uh kind of the next shows and things as well and we're going to start to get into some new equipment stuff too coming up nice. uh, we're getting into that cycle of things we're starting to see stuff that's being introduced out there um yeah there's lots going on uh yeah and definitely on the website too you know we're staying busy there people have to you know if they can follow us on on our social media that's the easiest way to keep track of some a lot of the smaller things we certainly have a lot of things that are happening there that maybe don't always translate over to the flagstick.com side of it maybe it's just notifications of a players advancing you know canadian players advancing in a match play at, at some tournament or things like that but um just trying to stay on top of it which is the uh, always the hard part this time of year and not letting anything significant uh, get past you um but certainly a lot to look forward to and uh you know obviously working on the next editions of uh, flagstick as well exactly it, it does not slow down it does not so and who knows maybe maybe there'll be some travel coming up at some point too oh gosh i hope so i hope so i hope something i was actually i was actually talking to to my wife about uh patricia about uh possible a possible road trip this Ooh. fall but we'll have to see still i'm kind of still kind of you know maybe 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 get a, the... maybe a pei pass and you can you know yeah I'd never, I'd, I'd never uh, say no to going back to PEI. I can no. tell you that. So we'll have to see. We'll have to see what happens, and and uh, you know, as the rest of the season progresses and where we stand come fall time. But uh, yeah. Well, Scott, listen. Thank you. Um, as always, it is a 
pleasure to uh, have you join me on the podcast. And uh, I was telling people earlier that sometimes we, depending on what we're driving around doing, it could be a 45 minute to an hour long phone call conversation in the car. So this is not really anything. So that's not really that difficult for us to jump on a podcast for 45 minutes to an hour and talk about golf because it's kind of what we do every day anyway. So, uh, but thanks very much for, for jumping on and and sharing some wisdom and some insight and uh, hopefully uh, you do get a chance to play in the senior championship, but if you don't, Obviously, I understand. Uh, enjoy <laughs> wow. the rest of your week and <laughs> yes, enjoy uh, enjoy the weekend and uh, yeah, and uh, enjoy the Open Championship, yes. of course. All right. Well, thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate that, and uh, happy to jump back on anytime. Awesome. Thanks very much, buddy. Well, as always, I just I, I love having Scott uh, on the podcast. Uh, I mean, like I said, uh, during the show, Scott and I chat an awful lot about pretty much everything golf and everything not golf, really. That's what uh, what friends do. But we talk a lot and getting on the podcast and chatting is not really that difficult for us. It's a it's a pretty normal occurrence. We just happen to throw a video camera on each one of us and and uh, everything we say goes out to the masses instead of privately inside my car. Um, but thanks again, Scott. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, I feel up to date. I hope you do too. I hope you feel up to date on all the happenings, the tournament happenings. And if you've ever played in the intersectionals, as we talked about, it's it's extraordinary to be part of it. And uh, hopefully next year, once we get back to the real normal uh, for golf tournaments, the spectators come back too, because I guarantee if you've ever, you know, I've been to a number of the different divisions of the intersectionals before. The A is sort of the one that you know, really does garner a lot of attention. But if you go out to the C, the D, the E, the F, you'll see the members are out watching their their um, their fellow members participating and cheering them on. Uh, being the host club is a, is a big deal. Although it's nice to go and play another golf course uh, when you're playing intersectionals. If you want to win, it's nice to be on your home club. Trust me, there's no no question about that. Just ask Rito View if they do very, very well when they host. That's for sure. They do well when they don't host, but they do very well when they do host too. So, all right. Um, as always, as this and during this part of the podcast, uh, we like to try to help you out with your golf game a little bit. And uh, I guarantee every round of golf we've ever played, none of us have ever had a perfect lie, especially around the greens with every single shot we ever have. Uh, if we did chipping and putting or chipping would be really easy little pitch shots would be easy but on this little quick tip from our from our good friend Kevin Heem at the Kevin Heem Golf Center is uh, uh, the secret to pitching from bad lies and uh, Kevin's going to help a little he's got a little secret that he has and uh, it's one of his favorite uh, uh, greenside uh, chipping tips so uh, check it out right here all right golfers Time for another quick tip and a favorite specialty shot of mine. You can see I'm in a real mess here. I actually stepped on this ball practicing and uh, I'll show you how to hit it out. If you can't get your golf club on a golf ball where the lie is so bad, here's what you do. You don't try to hit the ball. You actually open the club face quite a bit and open your body like a bunker shot and just try to hit a couple of inches behind the ball, just like in the sand. And if you do that, that ball will pop right out of there and land softly. It's an amazing shot. It's a shot you'll use a lot if you get lousy lies on the golf course, but you gotta practice the lousy lies, not just the good lies. That's another little bonus tip for you. Here we go again, we open all the way up. That ball pops right out of there. Try it next time you're practicing. As always, no surprise that uh, 
he makes it look so easy. I mean, if you're watching on YouTube, and I, I, I do encourage you to do that because the videos are much better. The things that we do on the podcast are much better on YouTube than they are on the audio. But I understand, you know, watching versus listening is sometimes a little bit easier. But it comes across well in the audio side of it, too, as far as what he's doing. Actually hitting a ball from stepping on a ball and then doing what Kevin's doing and, and pulling it off. Now, as Kevin said, you have to practice this stuff. You can't just take the tip into your brain and go, oh, I remember when Kevin said this and you hit two inches behind the ball and you end up laying sod over it. You got to practice these shots because it, it takes a, there's a lot more to it than, than just listening and, and doing. You've got to practice. If you want to get better at something, you got to practice and guarantee you golf is no different. If you want to get better at golf, you have to practice. And uh, yeah, I don't practice at all. Ever. Never. And I'm, I'm okay at the game, but I'm pretty sure that I, like most people, could be a heck of a lot better if I actually put some effort into it. Well, that's it for me. Um, I'm really glad that everybody uh, that you, you've tuned in uh, to watch or to listen uh, to another episode of 613 Golfer Podcast. Um, thanks to Scott McLeod for spending some time. As always, I love having him on the show, but he spends, you know, it's, it's a good chunk of the show this week uh, with Scott on there. And I really do appreciate that. So thanks, Scott, for that. Thanks, Kevin, for another awesome, great tip. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you to our sponsor, Ping, um, for uh, for their continued support of the 613 Golfer podcast. Once again, if you haven't had a chance to try these clubs out, go try them out. Uh, at the very, very least, do yourself a favor and learn more about them at ca.ping.com. All right. I'm Jeff Botter. And if you're liking this podcast, and I hope that you are, and judging from some of the, the amounts of downloads and so on that we're getting, uh, like more YouTube video watches. So come on, people, subscribe to the YouTube channel. So if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Visit flagstick.com. You can listen to every single episode that we've ever done and every single episode that we post when we post them. Uh, you can also watch them because we do post the YouTube videos uh, directly in the posts on the website. Or you can click through the YouTube channel and, and watch them on the YouTube channel. I do encourage, once again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I think you'll do yourself a favor if you do. And when you do, make sure that you like us and click that little uh that little bell to make sure that you get the notifications whenever we release a new episode of 613 Golfer Podcast. You're going to get that episode notification. You won't miss anything. We don't want you to miss anything. Why would you want to miss anything? All right. Once again, I'm Jeff Botter. This has been the 613 Golfer Podcast brought to you by Ping Golf. And always remember, go for the stick.